Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other such topics. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Croson, alongside Casey Clapp. Yes, sir. Why are you talking Here's like the that? thing. Right before we recorded, I told Casey I was going to open the show with a southern accent. I didn't believe you. And uh, because I, because of the tree we're covering today, however, <laughs> he informed me <laughs> that the tree we're covering today has nothing to do with the South, Alex. Almost nothing entirely. Uh, and I said, you know what? I've been planning on doing this all day. I've been really excited for it. <laughs> Just been your whole day was planned around this southern accent. This was my contribution to this episode. It's perfect. I I just now stopped laughing. I think it's been about a minute and a half. Casey, I just got an email. Oh, we've been nominated for podcast of the year. What they even say we're writing you because of Alex's southern gentleman bit. <laughs> it was the single greatest moment in podcast history up until the present. <laughs> Um, hi, everybody. Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, <laughs> the podcast about trees and other things. I'm Alex Croson. I'm Casey Clapp. Hi, Casey. Hey, Alex. What's up, dude? Uh, not a lot. Let's see. What do I got going on? Uh, did a bunch of tree work. Uh, this has been a heck of a week for the United States of weather. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> what? It is. <laughs> it is go time for the lengths of you. Yeah, that's right. I've been uh, just doing some tree work over at my mom's house and her neighbors, mm-hmm. trying to get some uh, some oak trees, a birch tree split in half, and then the top fell out. It was awful. To time to time stamp and clarify for anybody who yes. doesn't know what we're talking about, Portland, Oregon, just had a vicious, uh, mm. by our standards, well, we just had a huge ice storm. It was, um, it was ridiculous. Not Texas-sized, but no. similar. And we lost power. A bunch of I had a friend who had was without power for you eight were, days. You were out of power, weren't you? Yeah, a couple days. Man, that's amazing. Eight days. I oh, was fortunate gosh. that I had somewhere to go where True. I was welcomed and the, there was power. Yeah, which is very thankful. And my my family in this uh, the south of town here wrecked like literally a half an inch or more of ice on every single surface. Yeah, of everything. I'm like trees, strong trees, just cracked in half yeah that's crazy yeah it was awful it was awful but it's over yep and we're on the other side of it exactly just cleaning up oh god what a mess though yeah everywhere you walk there are just huge piles of limbs yeah including the back of my truck ah mm -hmm. Mm, it's a lot it's a it's a mess yeah so uh basically it's uh i'm tired i've been doing we did some tree work uh me and a friend and helped out the family out in milwaukee now uh yeah now it's just yeah i think everything's good it's interesting to see what survived and what hasn't survived oh and like what has been affected we noticed the norway maple most of them are unscathed interesting yeah right whereas other trees that you would expect kind of would be a little bit tougher shredded like red oaks who shredded hmm yeah it's interesting can I, can I ask about our uh our very hearty friend mm, the arborvita the ginkgo oh the ginkgo yeah 
they're great. Yeah, they, they, I think the Ginkgos and the Metasequoias, Douglas fir, all fantastic. They did great. Yeah, they've they've survived one ice age. What's another? Come on, yeah, they've. It's like this is just. Is this really even an age? Come on. <laughs> what about you, Alex? How's your world? What's going on? Uh, it's okay. I'm I'm a little stressy. Mm. Um, I feel like, and this this is going to sound like an overstatement, perhaps, but I feel like I'm kind of flopping in every area of my life right now. Really? Not this podcast. You're crushing it. Uh, yeah. Some days I feel good <laughs> about it, and some days I'm like, oh, you hear that, what everyone? Are we doing? We got to send more emails to Alex. Oh, no, please. <laughs> He's like, no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already drowning. Please don't. We do love all of your feedback. Of course, though. yes, so, everyone. It's a bright spot. Well, um, what are, yeah, when, you feeling good? We're going to talk about a fun tree today. I am excited to talk about the sugar maple. Mm. Casey, <laughs> let's, let's talk about this week's tree. The sugar maple. The sugar maple <laughs> sugar. <laughs> you, you, oh my gosh. You know that this is like a quintessential northern tree, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I found that out today. You got to be more like sugar maple. I can't do it. You've, you've messed all my accents up. <laughs> Sorry. You sounded like a Bostonian who was raised in Georgia. <laughs> oh, I want to hear that accent. <laughs> um, so the Acer sac- Saccharum? Saccharum? Yeah, Saccharum. Is That's it right. Acer? Yeah, Acer. Okay. You're right. Acer Saccharum. Saccharum, of course, Latin uh, for sugar. Uh, exactly. I believe there's an artificial sweetener called saccharum. Yeah, saccharine is also a way. Oh, saccharine. Yeah, is Sa- that it? saccharin. No. Saccharin. Yeah. That's, That's I think is. isn't that an adjective? You can also call something saccharin. Yeah. He was like, oh, you were so saccharin. Yeah. Ooh, that sticky bun was saccharin to my oh. lips. If you ever say that in a coffee shop with me, I'm gonna walk out. <laughs> that's never that's say Southern that. Alex. Don't don't mind him. <laughs> no, this sticky bun is quite saccharin. <laughs> I can't handle that accent. That's so. You sound like um, Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> that is not a nicest compliment as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Sorry. Have you seen Knives Out? <laughs> yes. I'm yes. sort of going for a for a Daniel Craig thing. Yeah, Daniel Craig sounds like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, today we're talking about the sugar maple ass a- Acer oh. saccharum. That's right. Uh, it is uh, a deciduous tree. That grows not in the sound. Well, it looks like from the map here in the, what am I reading? The Sibley Guide to Trees. Ooh, Sibley, when you get a moment, send us a DM. We would love to tell you how much we love your book. Yes. Also, you should uh, maybe send us a check. <laughs> oh, um, beggars. <laughs> uh, it, it looks like it maybe grows in the south. Yeah, it does. It grows. It's mostly like a northern, northeastern North America. So you can have the northeastern United States, northeastern Oregon, but the whole northeastern section of the entire continent, you'll find them. I see. Well, Casey, let's imagine that you and I are walking. Ooh, I've got a great image here. Oh, tell me. You and I are walking through a Vermont forest. We've just picked up some cider. And just switch just like that. That was so good. We, we, uh, it's snowing. It's late, uh, winter, which is sapping season mm-hmm. or syrup season. And we come across a grove of sugar maples. Ugh. I can't say it any other way. I'm sorry. No, I think that's fair. I think you should continue saying it just like that. Please describe to everyone what we are looking at. Okay. So. You're walking through this this Vermont forest. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. What you're going to see, first off, unfortunately, 99% of all the northeastern forests have all been cut. Oh, good. Sorry to bring you down. But the good news is they have all regrown because all the farmers were like, we can't grow anything. So they all moved to the northeast or the Midwest, left the northeast to actually regrow. So in the United States, if there is a section of the United States that is having more uh forestation reforestation it's Mm -hmm. actually the northeast where a bunch of old farms have just gone fallow and turned back into forests. interesting that's that's kind of cool yeah and all of a sudden um you get what is the uh what's called successional forests and that's just when you have certain early species colonize a, a vacant space first so in this case um you get like a lot of different um pine species and maples and 
really uh, a lot of red maples, trees that just start growing back immediately. The forests of the northeastern United States, including like all the way out to Michigan and Minnesota, um, in Ontario and um, uh, Quebec, is actually a huge place for maple trees, um, specifically the sugar maple. Um, they are these huge, gorgeous trees that mm. grow very much straight up, and they are a quintessential part of this forest. But the eastern broadleaf forests, um, broadleaf deciduous forests, are known for having these gigantic, big, tall growing trees that just kind of grow up and then have multiple different species all over the place. So unlike here, where you could see an entire forest of hemlock or of Douglas fir or of some very specific one or two kinds of trees, yeah. over there, there's usually a bunch. There's a huge mixture all over the place. Is that when you see, like, if, I like, if you Google Vermont, yeah. there's like photos of these like multicolored forests. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. There's some evergreen in there. There's some like, there's some deciduous trees at different stages in yeah, there. Yeah, like reds and oranges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh, what a look. Oh, yeah. Love and that. The uh, the sugar maple is specifically a beautiful tree. Like mm. it has these really orange, uh, like yellow to orange colors that it um, that it turns. So as you're walking through, um, if you see, uh, this is actually, it's really commonly planted because it's just such a stately tree. Mm. So a lot of times you would see them planted as like, uh, you know, pairs of trees on the front of an estate or oh, something like cool. that. Oh, cool. And then you'd also, I've seen them a couple times where they were growing um, like an allay, which is just when you have a bunch of big trees lining some boulevard or some you know driveway or something like oh, that yes yeah so that allay effect has just like boom 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 these you know pairs of centuries of trees going down that whole drive wow and they're just such gorgeous trees i just had a such a vivid memory I, I don't know why this popped into my head do you remember the movie stepmother with susan sarandon and julia roberts no i don't think i've ever even heard of that i think susan sarandon is maybe dying of cancer and her husband is dating julia roberts and uh-huh. she's like the stepmom um but they i think they live in the northeast and i just when you said <laughs> that this shot this shot from the film popped into my head of them driving down a really long driveway with those, really those trees like edging the driveway like you said that's perfect yeah it's a quintessential sort of new england kind of thing it's great yeah if you're a filmmaker and looking for a way to set up that you're mm. in new england it's it yeah perfect use the sugar maple use the sugar maple but only do it with a southern accent <laughs> uh, there's going to be some people from kentucky who are like how dare you we've you made s- so many enemies <laughs> I'm sorry, you in guys. these short minutes <laughs> it's mostly my fault yeah, i know we're gonna i'm i'm scot-free i'm i'm a victim as much as they are i will take this heat oh, thank you this southern heat. <laughs> okay, so the uh, the big thing about maples, and so if you're doing tree identification, here's a fun little quick thing. Okay. If you're doing tree ID in northern, let's just say United States broadly, there's going to be mostly uh, a way to like take certain trees and put them into two different categories: um, broadleaf trees, so your mm-hmm. oaks and lindens, maples, um, and that is looking at the twigs and looking at the buds. And okay. what you're going to look for is to see if the buds and twigs are oppositely arranged on that twig or if they're alternately arranged on the twig. Can you very briefly describe the difference? Yes. Thank you. So where a bud or a leaf comes off of a twig is uh-huh. called a node, N-O-D-E. Okay. And a node um, is just this, you know, it's just a point on, on the stem. So if you have a node that has two buds on it, one on opposite sides of the twig from each other, mm-hmm. those would be considered oppositely arranged buds. Okay. And then if you have one that is on the left side of the twig and then you go up a little bit further and then there's another one, but it's on the right side or maybe they're kind of spiral arranged. So it's more, they're just not exactly opposite of each ah. other. Those would be considered alternately arranged along the twig. Okay. So if I look at this illustration in Sibley Guide, yeah, I see that the buds on the twig of the sugar maple yes. are oppositely exactly. arranged. Exactly. All maples are oppositely arranged. Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying there was a difference between uh, maples that were oppositely arranged and maples oh, that were alternatively arranged. No. that's the. This is true for all maples. It's okay. true for all ashes except one. It's true for all dogwoods except one. I, mm. think, I think it's just one. In nature, there's always going to be some uh, exception all the time. Yeah. So 99% of the time, all maples, every species of maple, anything that has the genus Acer, it's going to be oppositely arranged. Cool. And now when you're thinking about the oppositely arranged, just to kind of give you sort of a larger 
perspective of how this tree grows. Each one of those buds is what produces a leaf. And remember earlier, we were talking about what a leaf is and how you can kind of define what it is. That's right. So a leaf is the thing that st- car- bleh, the thing that starts from underneath a bud. So you have a bud, there's a thing underneath it that comes out, and that's a leaf. Yeah. So that uh, bud will then become next year's leaves and twigs. So if you have oppositely arranged leaves, that means you have oppositely arranged twigs. So then all of a sudden, as you're looking at how this tree grows... Every branch in every union of branches, as it grows up and gets bigger, is going to be an oppositely arranged branch. Beautiful. Now, of course, over time, if you have a big branch that's growing and you're like, oh, it doesn't look like it's opposite, that looks like I can't see that pattern. It's really obvious a lot of times in ash trees, but in maples, not quite so much. But what you, what you why that is, is that you have them growing up and then maybe the twig on the right doesn't get a lot of sun, so it doesn't grow very big. The twig on the left is really getting a lot of sun. It grows a lot bigger. Ten years later, the one on the right ends up dying, and then it kind of gets compartmentalized and gets shed from the tree, Hmm. and then the one on the left keeps growing. So it looks like it's alternate because there's nothing on the opposite side, but But there was. Okay. Yeah. I see. Interesting. So that's what you're going to see is you're going to see a tree that is growing up. And what's cool about the sugar maples, in fact, it's a tattoo that I have. Ah. It was, I think, my my third one, second one. Oh, I think I I know what it looks like. I think I've seen it before. So I got that when I lived in Massachusetts and I had drawn up a tree and I was like, hey, you know, I I want this tree. And basically, this is what, you know, tattoo artists that know what they're doing do. They take you your drawing and they're like do you literally want this and i was like no i just kind of want a tree he's like cool all right so he like took it and made it a nice drawing so to speak um but i could tell when he put it on me exactly what species of tree he had like looked up to kind of get a drawing because when he took my drawing, I looked at it and he put it on me. I was like, that's a sugar maple. <laughs> Could tell easy because the way they grow is all of their limbs grow kind of upwards and outwards all at the same time. So you rarely get one that has like a central main leader or a couple central stems. They have all these branches growing up all at the same time with the I ones see. in the middle definitely getting bigger and more robust. But the whole general form of the tree is kind of upwards and outwards. Well, Casey, uh, I gotta say it's yeah. it's uh, it's fitting that you got a sugar maple on your arm because you're a sweet guy. Oh, get at you! Just buttering me up. You just you just covering me in sweet syrup right now. I'm aren't just you? buttering you up like a biscuit, sugar. God, why did I even give you the opportunity to put the accent? So sorry. I think I'm done with it. I'm gonna cut it off. Cut uh, myself off. <laughs> Don't catch your chickens. <laughs> One thing I want to talk about with the appearance of the sugar maple yeah. is the bark because somebody oh. did a little bit of research before what? coming in solo. To this episode. <laughs> it wasn't solo, no, my what? research assistant. <laughs> um so the the bark the younger sugar maples yeah. have the smooth bark. Exactly. Uh and then as they grow, of course they're growing rings so they're getting wider not only wider uh uh, trunk wise, yeah, but they grow these crags in in the bark. Yeah, they do. Their barks as it splits, it kind of splits and peels off a little bit. Yeah, and I think I've maybe made this analogy before, but it always reminds me of like when you pour brownie batter into a pan, okay, and it's all smooth because yeah. it's batter and it's liquid. Sure, and then you put it into the oven, and then you bring it out, and it's like cracked. Because it's like kind oh, of yeah. kind of ballooned a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about? I think I do. Yeah, where it's the same thing with like bread. If you like put a little cut in it, and then all of a sudden that when as it bakes, that cut expands. Yes. And you get those little slices. Yeah, those little like divots. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's there's it has to go somewhere, but it but it like so it just cracks. Exactly. I usually describe it as a cylinder is growing on the inside of a cylinder. Yeah. So you have a cylinder of X, and then you have to have another cylinder that grows into it that's bigger than X, and so the X cylinder has to. Spin Split somewhere in order for it to expand. For sure. Yeah. So those splits are exactly what creates those um, sort of furrowy flakes because they're not flaky or peely like you would imagine a bark or a, a madrone or something like that. No. They just kind of rip off, but they're still really hard. And have I almost see it as like sort of waves where they're almost like the whole thing is kind of exploding in slow stasis. Mm. I don't know if that's a possible way to describe an explosion. It's pretty cool. All right. Slow stasis is a good EP title. 
<laughs> yes. For like a bedroom pop band. I was going to say, yeah, it's got to be something that where you're moving but not moving all at the same time. Hell yeah, man. All right. So if, if you were like looking to, to tell the age of a, of a sugar maple, you yeah. might, you might the trunk, the bark might be a good indicator. It would be, yeah. I mean, obviously, the stem will be a little bit larger, but you're also going to have these much more, you know, flakes and like, you know, these, these peeled spots that are really hard and not moving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll see a lot more of those and they're very stunning and like really, really textured as they get older. Very cool. And then the last thing is that you have the maple Samaras are what they're called. Samara. Samara. S-A-M-A-R-A. Oh, are these little flowers? Yeah. Well, they're the fruit technically. So I see. this is the fun thing. So any flower, uh, you have a flower. That flower, if it is the flower that creates the fruit, the fruit is technically described as a mature ovary, mm-hmm. right? I know this. Yes, you do. So the mature ovary, a lot of people think that a fruit is something that you can eat very actively, like a, you know, a, a walnut or a tomato mm-hmm. or something like that. And then there's the whole culinary side of it. Don't even get me started. Let's not. So the fruit of a maple, and this is all species of maple, there will always be those double samaras, which is a seed with this outer coating, and that outer coating has a big, long wing on it. Mm-hmm. And so you have these double wings, and when we were kids, we always called them helicopters. Yes. Because you throw them up, and they flutter away, and then you'll notice as they flutter down, even if there's a slight breeze, they'll flutter <sighs> and go way off. That is called dispersal. Great design by it, nature yeah. here. <laughs> Thank you, nature, for putting the effort in. Like, how brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like great. the wind does everything. It pollinates it and then it disperses it afterwards. Yeah. So the tree is 100% dedicated by or to wind. I feel like a product developer would really love that. They'd be like, that's just that's just great simple design. Simple, elegant. Mm-hmm. It does the job it needs to do, puts as little energy and effort into it that it needs with great success. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So the other thing that is great about these uh, trees is they have, you know, the classic maple leaf where it has those five to seven lobes, pollen. Palmately mm-hmm. um, lo- or palmately veined um, leaves, and they are usually like they have kind of pointed tips. They're not very rounded, um, but they do not have a really long kind of pointy bristle tip on them. And I say this because people will very often get this confused with the Norway maple. Oh, they're planted um, next to each other constantly, and they're really they their leaves are super super similar. But the sugar maple. Its leaves, as it goes out, it kind of just stops, and then it starts going back down at that very tip of each lobe, whereas the Norway maple will have this teeny tiny little bristle, like they'll just be slightly more pointed, and then the Norway maple, if you break the petiole of the leaf, it'll have this little white um, gummy sap that comes out. Interesting. Yeah. So just in case you guys are, and I know a lot of people ask about these little tidbits about ID. That's how, that's one of them. Oh, you've got the. I heard uh-huh. that. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sickness in our brains. Oh man, I love it. Um. Well, Casey, what we're really here to talk about today. Oh, I'm so excited. Is speaking of it's a sugar maple is a great name for this tree Isn't because it? it makes maple syrup. It. I'm eating this maple bar right now. Trigger warning, everyone. <laughs> Trigger warning for our misophobic listeners. That's what we'll do, Casey. We'll lean away from the microphone and we'll eat. Casey has brought us, he is in, in heaven right now, a maple bar to split. Does everyone out there know what this is? If not, I'll tell you right now. It is a fried donut, long in shape, like a, like a cardboard box, like I, a long cardboard box. I always imagine it as mm, a, um, a as a gold brick. That's a great way to yeah, describe it. Yeah, it looks like a gold brick yes. donut. Yes. Covered in delicious maple frosting. Oh, God, I love it. So all we're right. going to take a bite, but we're going to do it away from the microphone to respect all of our listeners. Exactly. I'm going to I'm not going to do it right now. I almost took a bite and I was like, "Well, someone needs to talk or we're just going to have like 10 minutes of dead air." We're going to have silence. Alex, get away from their phone. Your microphone. Oh, apostrophe phone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Casey, this is so good. It's the best. All right. So I have a confession to make. Um, 
A, I just wanted to do this this tree. I just wanted to cover it because it's an awesome tree. And it's one of, I think, just the most beautiful of all the maples. Like I said earlier, like it's just a very stately tree when you plant it all by its lonesome out there. But it is also like a culturally amazingly important tree. Yes. And it is such a fascinating like con you're not come on it's, it's a fascinating connection between the kind of science and like how trees function versus how we use them now and how we used them thousands and thousands of years ago yes there is a major cultural element to this tree in that it produces sap that humans boil down into sweet delicious sticky maple syrup and casey we we have a lot to say about the syrup and while Casey chews, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give a little bit of my own research because, oh. as I said, it's the first time I've ever researched for this podcast. You just had pancakes. That's what that's what your research was. <laughs> no, wasn't. I don't even like pancakes. What? That's a different topic. Oh my god. So okay, it's currently sapping season, sugaring season. Excuse me, is what the, what it's called. That is late winter, early spring. This is when the temperature in uh the northeast is in the right zone to produce for the for the sugar maples to produce the the right amount of sap or the right type of sap just sap is just when the sap to starts per, to flow to produce sap it gets the it gets the sap flowing yeah that's a, it's a perfect way to describe it great so uh i am i am terrified right now by the way because i feel like i'm i feel like i'm you, but I'm so bad at it. <laughs> it's like my worst nightmare come true. You're doing great. I'm having like stage fright, Casey. <laughs> Sorry. Do you want? No, do you want, I want to. I want to push through it. And you're doing great. I'm gonna. I'm gonna grow from this experience. Just imagine solo naked. Wow. Okay. <laughs> is that what you're supposed to do? So, uh, maple syrup is made by taking the sap from the sugar maple and boiling it down, evaporating all the water out of it. It's pretty much that it's as easy as that that's it yeah um we will 100 percent get uh maple syrup crafters emailing us telling us it's not that simple please do i'm interested to know the process more um so it takes anywhere from 40 to 44 gallons of sap this is the most mind-blowing part 44 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup exactly that is bizarre and like one tree can produce like five to 15 gallons is that and it's in the entire season in just one season yeah okay so when you're i'm gonna chew this hold on oh god isn't that crazy though like just imagine like 15 gallons from a single tree like how that's so much like liquid it's just it's an insane amount when you think about it and that's the, a lot of sap and the tree's just moving it through like it's it's fascinating as clark griswold would say a lot of sap a lot of sap clark griswold i don't Sorry. even know who that is oh no, no Casey. you bring us culturally uh relevancy and or cultural relevancy mm. i don't bring any of that all right <laughs> that's why you're so important to me we'll talk about it later you're exactly right alex your research has paid off Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Well, there's the traditional way to do this, which is to literally just put the sap into a big pot yeah. and boil it over water. Mm-hmm. Am I doing okay? You want to take over? No, 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 go. Okay. Are people going to be mad that I'm doing this? Not at all. You're the you're the fan favorite. Oh, my God. Um, So you can put it in a pot and boil it over direct heat. Yeah. That is one way to do it. Uh, there is a company... Um, I think they like they make the most syrup of any company in Vermont, mm, which yeah. Vermont is the syrup capital of the United States. That's true. They produce by themselves forty percent of the maple syrup in the U.S. That's insane. Really, the tr- the trees produce it. Okay. They also produce Bernie Sanders and Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, all right. You can't go wrong in Vermont. What's not to love? Well, Bernie Sanders was, I think, from Brooklyn, but yeah, I think technically. So, <laughs> this company came up with a way to do this a lot more like in an insane with insane proficiency and it's called steam crafting i've never heard of this so they i don't know the science behind it duh but <laughs> they use coils okay and a much lower temperature and they steam the uh sap huh. instead of boiling it and casey 
traditional traditionally it yeah. takes anywhere from nine to fifty six hours to make one gallon. Whoa! Just by boiling it. Yeah. To make one gallon. Okay. Yeah. Steam crafting, they can make fifty five gallons of syrup. What? In ninety seconds. What? Isn't that absurd? That is too fast. I want to like some somebody to do the math and like tell me how much of an improvement that is over to the traditional method. Wow. Yeah. Send that to us. That's insane. Yeah. I've never done that. My research, unsurprisingly, went a completely different direction. <laughs> well, yes. I, I, I'm looking at our show notes, and your research is next. There's a lot of numbers and letters. Casey, Sorry. Let's take a quick break. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the sugar maple yum yum. We have eaten our maple bars. I have given my research. <laughs> Casey, let's talk about sugar, baby. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so although the half the reason I wanted to do this tree is very specifically to eat maple-flavored things because I think the flavor maple is one of my top favorite flavors. Wow, no yeah, kidding. Yeah, it's great. So if anyone's like, man, I just really want to get Casey something. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm gonna, I tell it to everyone. Am I, when I was living in the Northeast, it was the best because one of my friends knew a, a bunch of people who like lived and worked on a sugar bush and that's what they did. They made maple things. And so wow. he would just come and like give me little things all the time. Shout out to Todd if he ever wants to give me any more maple things. Uh, Alex also likes maple things. <laughs> yeah, well, also garlic, salt. Well, yeah, but those that's you we're talking different flavor profiles here. Well, of course. Maple is such a unique flavor too. Exactly. And it's unique because it comes from this tree. Like you can't uh well, I'm going to say this emphatically. You cannot recreate this flavor. Wow. It is like when I moved over to the northeast and like you can just get it maple syrup there all over the place. Sure. Then I would like come back and I was raised like most kids in America by what we called maple syrup when really it was maple flavored syrup. Yeah. Oh my God. When I went back and tried it again, I was just like, I can never, I can never do this again. It's maple flavored high fructose corn syrup. Exactly. And I just couldn't do it. Can I tell you a joke that I had earlier? Oh, couldn't get out. Try it. Try it. You were going to say, uh, you were saying I was in the Northeast and maples everywhere. And I was going to say, yeah, it practically grows on trees. Oh, <laughs> you dog. I thought that was kind of funny. I think it's kind of funny. It's the, it's the level of funny that, we're, that we aim for. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, so it is just this like, I don't know. It's a unique flavor. Yeah. And you can only get it from like these specific kinds of trees, at least in a way that is robust and not like, you know, broken down. So I'm not a chemist and I don't claim to be. My understanding is that the high fructose corn syrup kind of stuff is basically just corn or it's sir or it's sugars which are boiled down and like completely changed into just like their this very base component and then they add in you know another uh i guess fructose they add another other different chemical bonds to yeah. make it liquid and then when you get it liquid you can put it in anything and you can change it up with all these different uh you know little additives I see. so that's great. Cool. We have that as a technology. However, when you break it down, then you have to add everything back in. It's just like um, flour. You can take wheat flour like right from the plant and turn it into bread immediately. But now what we do is we take away all the good stuff and then we add it back in. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the same. And it's like, well, it's not the same. You I know, see. It's different. So with um, so in terms of the trees, what the trees are doing to make this syrup, is whenever a tree's growing out in the midsummer, they're just having a great time. It's beautiful. They are collecting all the sunshine in the world. Hmm. That is happening through photosynthesis. Now, photosynthesis is one of my favorite equations. Any of you who have heard me on ologies, has, if you look back to the very first episode, Allie put a picture of me where I was showing my tattoo of 
photosynthesis, yes. which I have across my chest. Very cool. And to be very clear, it's the scientific equation, the empirical formula of what the chemicals and what the actual interaction is happening between um, individual molecules, which is carbon dioxide and or and water gets mashed together and ripped apart and turned into a simple sugar and then or O2 oxygen is released. And mm. that is, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, trees create oxygen. And it's because they rip these two things apart and then oxygen is a um, diatomic part or atom. So if you have two oxygens or one oxygen, really unstable. Two oxygens, they connect together. So you always have floating around the air right now, two little oxygen atoms, O2. Okay. And they're floating around having a great time. So trees, when they make these little sugars and it rips them apart through photosynthesis, this very complex process, um, they basically turn them into these long chains of sugars. And those are sucrose and glucose and fructose ah. and galactose. Galactose? Yeah, isn't that a good one? That's my favorite. Uh, it's my favorite too. It should be everyone's favorite, obviously. <laughs> and so what? It, uh, those are you know sugars. And everyone's heard these terms, obviously high fructose corn syrup, uh, you know, but we can make these chemicals and we can synthesize them. Trees do this all by themselves. So different trees produce different sugars? Um, or yeah. different plants produce different sugars? And they do them in different um, different amounts. So you have some that produce a whole bunch oh. of this and a whole bunch of that and less of this or less of that. So what um, what a tree's doing is in the midsummer, like we're, we're talking about, we're walking through Vermont in the June, you these, all these beautiful sugar maples around us. They're fully green. They're photosynthesizing at their peak capacity. Okay. They are using that immediately to grow and to fight off insects and, you know, defense, all these different kinds of things. But as soon as the conditions get just a little too hot and they're like, oh, this is getting a little too much. I've grown as much as I want to grow this year. I've used up the most resources that I feel comfortable doing. Then the tree basically says, well, I think now I'm just going to store everything. So hmm. what the tree does is it starts taking these sugars, which are short chains, and they add them into really big, long chains. And they add in, I think it's a, another fructose-related uh, um, uh, molecule chain connector kind of thing. Okay. It gets very chemically and very uh, beyond my, my level of expertise. Okay. But essentially, um, the long, longer chains are starches. Starches are just a little bit more stable than the sugar chains are. And then they store those starches in their branches, they store them in their trunks, mm. they store them in their roots. That's one of the big places. So all basically everything that exists on the tree, it kind of o almost just gets packed full like a larder filled with all these starches and sugars. Hmm. And so what happens is um, as soon as the sun, then all of a sudden fall comes, yeah, we shouldn't skip this, fall comes, the tree pulls everything down in and it just puts it underground and it just kind of sits there and chills out for the whole winter. That's my favorite part. Yeah, where they're just literally just hanging. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it's just like stasis. They're just like, well, we'll wait. <laughs> then all of a sudden, um, different things. And I actually, I listened to um, the, what, the book... Um, braiding sweetgrass yes just recently um the they basically she described she's like well also well, each one of the like the barks the buds everything is active still on these living plants even though they look dead because they've dropped their leaves they're still there and they have these little photoreceptors and this is a thing that trees do all the time is they have basically responses to what's called photo period which is literally the amount of light in a given day before or light between darknesses so the okay. sun comes up and then it goes down trees measure that time hmm. how they do it exactly we're not sure but we know that they do because trees don't pop open really early when we get maybe a very early um, warm day in the middle of February. They don't they don't turn on. So the as the buds and all the rest of the tree has all these little sensors that are on it, they're basically saying, okay, I've, oh, it's, this is a good amount of light. This is a good amount of light. And wow. then when they get the right amount of light and they get the right amount of sunshine and like warmth, then they start releasing hormones and chemicals throughout the rest of the tree. And those go down into the roots and then it says, hey, roots, start pumping up these things. And then all of a sudden you start getting these changes from the starches in the storage areas and they get caught or changed into sugars. Those sugars then are soluble 
go up the tree and then get out and start basically feeding everything and starting to get all like waking everyone up from the winter being like okay hey everyone get good get ready store get your energy going get your energy going let's go and the whole thing is active but what's interesting is that for the sugar when you're the sugar maple like you were saying Mm -hmm. they're active when the temperatures are during the daytime above freezing and then freezing below or below freezing at night okay so then that's when they're most active which is that early uh early spring late winter period Mm -hmm. and that's when the trees are just literally getting ready like they're putting all of the things in place so that when they finally get that moment where they're like today's the day we're gonna bud burst we're gonna open up we're gonna start going and then the trees like putting all of their eggs into one basket if you get another freeze after this all of their leaves are going to be damaged all their flowers are going to be damaged so the tree is feeding off of the sugar that it stored earlier in the year exactly my next question is when we literally drill into the tree and take all of its sap are we hurting the tree? In a technical sense, yes. Oh. I know. I, I shouldn't ruin it for you. This was all going so well. <laughs> and then reality strikes. Well, what's going on? Well, so there, there's a lot of ways to think about this. And so um, if you think about it strictly in terms of good for the tree, bad for the tree, it's better for the tree in terms of how much energy it's stored to keep all of that energy, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, if you think about it, and this is something that uh, the book Braiding Sweetgrass really brought up. She's like, well, I mean, but what about the the trees giving this off as a gift? It has this resource, and it will, without having too much problems, give off this amount of uh, sap, say 15 gallons. Uh, they are still pushing up and taking up into their canopies hundreds of more gallons. Okay, so we're taking a fraction of what it's actually produced. Yes, All exactly. Right. So I the feel trees, I, exactly. And I, I thought about this when I was learning about this because people have entire forests literally hooked up like the matrix to little tubes. Like literally, when you know the matrix where Neo is like looking around in the real world and they're all just like literally like tubed up to, yeah. you know, the energy systems. Yeah. It's exactly like that. There's oh, just tubes to, to get the sap? Literal tubes yeah. going through a forest connecting to little taps in each one of the trees. I see. So I was like, that this has to be bad for the trees. And so far they're like, well, honestly, it might slow them down a little bit, but we don't really know. We can't say that this forest and this forest, one's growing significantly more. They don't really appear to have a super negative reaction because as soon as they start moving and the taps become active, over a certain period of time, that sap gets a little bit more bitter because they start taking up different nutrients and different minerals from the soil. Interesting. So over time, the trees will basically be like, well, I'm moving on. Like They're not going to keep it really delicious and lovely at the very beginning forever. Or like the beginning forever. You know what? It it reminds me a bit of, and I don't think this is a perfect analogy. Yeah. But it reminds me of a bit, a bit of. I think it's stone crab, another another northeastern thing. Okay. Um, and I, uh, please correct me on this, but I think I remember stone crabs, stone crabbers will bring up a stone crab, take snap one of its claws off, and throw the throw the crab back. Okay. And over the next season, the crab grows another claw back. Oh. So we are taking something from the animal. Yes. However, it's not really inhibiting them that much, and they do pretty well with one claw. How interesting. And it's sustainable because the crab is living. And then they can produce more crabs. Yeah. Well, that's just like the same thing with the tree, where yeah. if the tree gives you off uh, you know, a little bit of its sap, you know, and you think of it as the tree giving you a gift— then the gift that you're returning is the protection of that tree. We're not cutting that tree down, yeah, turn it into fair. something else. Yeah. So the tree, you know, if you think about it kind of from the tree's perspective almost, or as a mutualistic sort of thing, everyone's winning. It's a little and vampiric. It is just a little bit. Yeah. Sucking that blood. Oh, that delicious sappy blood. Mm. <laughs> well, and so that is what I think is so cool about this tree because we've been doing that in different ways for literally thousands of years where they would take little taps that um, they would just pop them into the tree and drill a little bit of a hole or maybe um, carve into it with a knife or something like that. They would get the sap and then 
historically what they would do is just let it sit on the ground and freeze oh and then they would take off the top portions of what froze every day because that's just water wow that is yeah. so clever isn't that fascinating that's great and then they would uh they would actually use linden uh logs and they would make it really long and uh shallow and then they would freeze really quickly at night Wow. Yeah. So it has been a cultural thing. And then um, if you think about sugar in the sense of like our evolutionary past, what is the the two things that humans are 100% like, give me more of? It's salt and sugar, mm-hmm. right? So sugar in this case is something that we really crave because we only get it if we eat sweet fruits. Maybe if we find a tuber, which is just starches like potatoes, those are just starches that then we microwave and they turn into sugars or not quite as you know sugary as like fructose Mm. but it's just starches that are very nutritious so once we start to find that we're like oh sweet we get this really cool reward of sugar that then gives us all this energy and is a super big help but we only get it this one time a year it's just it's the coolest like cultural thing yeah we still do it it's still a huge tradition in the northeastern sections of the united states and um eastern canada like it's a big part of the world Mm -hmm. and maple syrup Wow. Let me try that again. (laughs) And maple syrup is beloved by many. It really is. And it's it's like a it's a clean sugar is, you know, you you can obviously I don't think you should eat a thousand, you know, gallons of it every day. Mm. But it is yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. I would. (laughs) But it's yeah, it's a it's a kind of sugar that's completely unprocessed. Just the boiling of it, that's not actually changing the chemical composition. All that is doing is literally getting rid of the water. And then the water goes away. But what I think is so fascinating about this from a tree perspective is that it tastes good for us, but it's not even the only tree that does this. We used to tap the red maple, the sweet gum, the huh. birch, the black walnut, the uh, big leaf maple over here. People have and sometimes still do get sap from all these other things. And Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, I'm excited to note that I have ordered birch syrup wow we're gonna try it and i'm so excited wow i'm so excited are we gonna eat are we gonna try that on a birch episode yeah i think so i just uh, i actually reached out to say what species of birch are you getting these from wow told me i'm not gonna spoil it though (laughs) will you tell me off off mic oh yeah i'll tell you off mic i'll send you a text message you can only read it but you can't say it out loud okay and i have to burn my phone after i read it yeah yeah exactly you have to throw it into the ocean after you burn it too okay (laughs) no take backsies that seems a little pollutant (laughs) yeah all right that's fine Casey, I think now is just a fantastic time to review this sweet, sweet tree. Okay. Casey, as you know, every episode we rate the tree in question from zero to ten golden cones of honor. As our resident expert, we will begin with you. All right. Well, this honestly boils down to... In my oh, that was a pun, wasn't it? Oh God, I'm so sorry, Alex. It's hard once you. He's st- so it, mad. It's subconscious, I think. So, the it all boils down for me uh-huh. to the fact that this tree is does it, it like is the I know that this is it's it's a poster child for me. I guess is the way hmm. to say it. It's a poster child because I have photosynthesis tattooed on my chest. Oh yes. Now I did that for a a. The main reason was I wanted to get the like nerdiest thing I could think of in the most like hardcore place because I've always, whenever I see a tattoo like written across someone's chest, it's usually like something really intense, right? Right. So this I'm like, yeah, oh, CO2 goes to H2O, <laughs> you know, and so it is a, it's, it is the most important equation, the most important chemical thing that exists on the planet. When you really get down to it, Everything about photosynthesis or everything in the world, except for like literally the tiniest, tiniest minority of organisms are all 100% attached to living by photosynthesis. You and me, solo, everything, every single thing. And that's because we have, we, every living thing respires. Are you familiar with this? This is going to be a little short, little, little, a little quick one. We're going to come back. Respiration. Respiration. Yes. Okay. So respiration is a combustion equation. And I'm saying this all, this is all going to come back, I promise. Fucking better. Stick with me, okay? So a combustion equation is just literally like you combust something. You light something on fire, that's combusting, Right. right? So if you take that to chemistry, then all you have to do to have a combustion equation is you have to have water and CO2 
be the the outputs for it and then other things that maybe come along with it okay. but a combustion equation fundamentally has those two things that are included remember when i told you what photosynthesis was uh yes what specifically uh this chemical equation for it oh yes so respiration is literally just the opposite of photosynthesis ah. so if you are an autotrophic organism uh-huh. what you do is you are able to make your own food autotrophic so you are you can use photosynthesis you make your own food and then you use respiration to burn the food trees exactly are trees autotrophic. plants that's it and then heterotrophic are plants or animals rather and some plants that cannot make their own food they have to get it from somewhere else you and i are heterotrophs okay so what that means is that the plants start with photosynthesis and then algae and all these other things do this some other you know bacteria and all these other different organisms in the oceans and they create this base level. And then other things eat whatever they produce through that uh, that alchemy is a term that I just heard recently. And I was like, that's a great word to use for this. Mm. So they do that. And then everything else lives off of that. If you get rid of photosynthesis, everything dies. And that is not in any way, like, okay, there's that one tiny minority <laughs> that's going to live that, you know, make, make their energy from other chemical things. Um, but the maple syrup is the it's like liquid sunshine it is literally wow the product of photosynthesis that the trees have now taken sunshine manufactured it into these sugars Hmm. put it down into their sap put it into the ground store it for the winter time the sun comes back it starts to warm up the trunks the the trees are like woo, let's go let's get going winter sucks it starts moving up again yeah we tap into that and we just are like oh hold on i'm just gonna take a little bit right here and then we fill up our you know little things we boil it down and then we make ourselves little delicious uh, waffles and our little iron and then we pour it on top and we eat it and we're just like this is the best thing in the world (laughs) i just think that it's a it tastes so good so how can you not like it and b it for me is this like metaphor for the the success of plants it's almost like let's hold up this little shot glass this little shot glass of maple syrup is like it represents a defining characteristic of life on this planet wow is that too much to say not at all Casey. i don't think it is. i think it's beautiful i'm glad you do because that's that's you know it, like if you really put your brain to it that's what it's for and then mm-hmm. culturally speaking it's just like uh, I, it's mind-blowing you know how the relationship that you have with plants in this regard you're not killing the plant. You're not taking the plant, like, you know, a certain thing. Like, it's a, it's a different kind of interaction than, like, eating the fruit of a plant, you know? It's beautiful. Yeah. So, for me, I'm going to give this, like, an 8.9. Okay. It's going to be a high one. I also have the sugar maple tattooed on me. I think of all the maples, it's probably one of my top three. Amazing. I just think it's such a cool tree. Not breaking that nine cone. I'm not, I can't break the nine cone right okay. now. You know, there's some spectacular trees that are like so stunning. I mean, let's just be, I mean, I should be honest. You know, the, the, otherwise, it's a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a normal tree. Okay. But it produces <laughs> sap, which is so delicious. And before you give your, um, uh, your your review. I uh-huh. just want to quickly unveil what I have right here. Oh boy! So uh, again, um, I don't know what's happening. <sighs> Hannah and what? I have had conversations about maple syrup before we knew that I were or that before we knew that we we're going to do this. We were talking about grades of maple syrup because we we're going to make waffles. And so we're like, oh, she's, oh, there's these different grades. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're all grade A. And she's like, yeah, but grade C is better. And I was like, what? That's ridiculous. And then it started to get us thinking. So we looked it up. There's grades of maple syrup, but they changed them all. Now everything is grade A. But there's, there's grade A, dark color, robust taste. And then there's, there's grade A, golden color with delicate taste. I just want to describe what's happening really here because my mind is blown. The, the whole time Casey's been sitting here, he's had his coat over something. <laughs> he's just unveiled a tray full of maple things. Yes. There's, this one is grade A amber color, rich taste. <laughs> they used to be called fancy in Vermont fancy. <laughs> this is uh, uh, Hack's barbecue sauce, smoked maple mustard. Yum. I want to try that. This is brown cow whole milk yogurt, maple flavored. I also want to try that. All right. I, I got a whole tub of it. This is uh, maple almond butter. <laughs> this is uh, uh, maple brown sugar flavored toaster pastries. <laughs> and this, this is the, this is the, this is, this is the one. They're called 
Stroopwafels. Oh, Stroopwafels. I no, love Stroopwafels. I'm glad you said it because I, I made that up because I don't, I've I mean, never I actually it, said it out loud. I say it American, just Stroopwafels. Well, Stroopwafels. I love a I did Stroopwafel. put a V on there like a German, didn't I? I'm going to eat the hell out of Stroopwafel. some of those. Yeah, maybe. Can I have some of, some of all of these? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of okay. course you can. And then what's it? This is uh, maple almond uh, butter crunchy clusters. Oh, my God. Ancient grain granola. And then the last one, this is this is hot maple. Hot. Hot maple. That's the best day of my life. Smoky habanero sauce. So I had initially wanted to like make a whole taste tester of all these. Yeah. And I still really do, but I now that I know that everyone doesn't like it when we drink and eat this on the show, we might just have to do a photo contest to tell everyone about it afterwards. Because we got like 30 things, and I have to thank Hannah for this, because I was working hard, and she was like, I went to the store. And I was like, oh, wow. this is the best. What a delightful human, Hannah. Yeah. Thank you, Hannah. Um, Casey, I'm blown away. I'm so happy. I really want to try some of this grade a amber color rich taste and, well and really you know see if it's as delicate or rather a contrast between the delicate taste grade a if we don't taste test all these things i at least propose a toast ah, of course to the sugar maple Are you, i'm gonna pour one which one do you want uh you choose okay i am torn here i have a lot of oh, emotions yeah. while right i now. do this you can make your thing is this is this a little bit of like oh uh, wait before you choose which one you want to buy <laughs> you just, do this big unveil <laughs> i hope i haven't uh altered your opinion too much no not i mean no you haven't i'm what i'm experiencing in my mind is a mix of um delight that you have that you brought all this delicious food into my home and anxiety that we're breaking form so robustly. Uh, because as Casey knows, I am all about structure. And for him to say, wait, wait, before you give your cone review, let me unveil nine <laughs> delicious treats. <laughs> this is amazing, Casey. Thank you. Wow, that smells so good. Okay. Sugar maple. Tell us about it. I, like I've said before, I usually come into these episodes with some preconceived notion of how I feel about a tree. I came into this one thinking, you know what, Alex, don't go too high on this. Um, I was trying to, I was thinking of a way to like kind of reset my grading because I've realized I've given almost everything a really high grade. Yeah. Well, you're, you mean, you're a sucker for a good tree. I do love a good tree. Um, and I, but then as we were talking about it, I was getting so excited. I was like, ah, it makes syrup. That's pretty cool. And you know me, Casey, I like a tree that gives back to the people. Yeah. It's a humanist perspective, but hey, I am a human after all. I think it's fair. The sugar, as you, as we were talking about it, I became so enthralled with the sugar maple and God help me. I can't go below nine cones. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. I couldn't, I can't. No, you know what? I, I'm going to give a range here. I think I feel like Ooh, I feel like breaking a, code. I see a little right. bit. Yeah. So like I'm 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 like I'm like an eight point five nine. I can't really decide there. Okay, Casey, right. you're good at averages. Oh, Can yeah. you average that out it's, for me? That's eight point seven point five. I'm an eight point seven point five. That's right. my official rating. I think that sounds like a good rating. Eight point seven point five golden cones of honor. We were close. Yeah, we were almost we were almost uh, in the same ballpark. We're we're yeah. in the same ballpark there. Yeah, I think we're we're averaged. If we average that out, I think we'd be uh, eight point seven point five point two five. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know how close we are. We're like uh, we're like two two trees connected to the same rubber hose. Oh yes, we are. Just just like the Matrix we grew up in. Casey, I propose a toast to the sugar maple. And you know what? I'm going to kind of tag along here and say this toast also goes out to Vermont. Yeah. Thank you, Vermont. I want to visit Vermont. And Quebec. A lot of this is from Quebec, too. Oh, yes. Canada. So, Casey, to the sugar maple, to Vermont, to Quebec, and to our long-lasting friendship. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Drinking straight maple syrup is not as pleasant (laughs) as I imagined. We got to cut this show off. Sorry, everybody. God, go out and take a shot of maple syrup for us. Yeah, we'll make it. We'll make it like a yeah. Go take it. It's it's overload. We got to go jog around the block. I felt that down in my tailbone. Ooh, yeah, mm. that is so sweet. 
All right, everyone, please send oh. us your videos of you taking shots of maple syrup. Wow. It's, you're not going to regret it. I can see sound. <laughs> All right, that was our review of the sugar maple. That is some intense stuff, my man. Well, what what is what uh, what kind did I give you? Whew, I don't know, but I'm still feeling it. Oh well, you should. That was a that should be a delicate taste. Mm, quite. Yeah, I think that used to be called Vermont Fancy. I'm probably gonna sip on it. It's a sipping. This is a sipping <laughs> is, syrup. Yeah, that's exactly what it you is. You don't shoot this syrup. <laughs> Casey, let's move on to our completely arbitrary Q and A. Casey, this week our question is from listener Megan Lewin. Oh, right. Megan says, Hi, Casey and Alex. I'm Megan. I love your podcast. Uh, fellow tree enthusiast, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she says a bunch of nice things to us. Megan goes on to say, I recently lost my lifelong cat. I'm so sorry oh, to God. hear that. I'm sorry. Uh, and she's buried in my parents' backyard. Mm-hmm. With a few other family pets. Oh. I've been dreaming of planting a tree near them, symbolic of them and connected to them. Interesting. Do you have any recommendations for a type of tree for this purpose? Hmm. Casey, some details. She lives near Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Uh, in a temperate area, but also in a suburb. Yeah. And she says, I'm sure there are a lot of great trees to work with, or that would work, but uh, interested in your thoughts. Um, and thanks for the awesome podcast, Megan, thanks for the awesome podcast listening. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. And this for is, the awesome question. Seriously, this is a hard question. Alex, you sprung this on me. Yeah, I did. I, I wanted to do this because, uh, you know, you, you uh, we got to do it live. It's fun. Yeah. I'm having a great time trying to <laughs> struggle through and pick out a tree. <laughs> well, can no, I, can kidding. I offer one and see if it would work? Oh yeah. I, what about the ginkgo? I, the ginkgo would work great. I, a male they, ginkgo. A male ginkgo would be fantastic in mm-hmm. terms of it, you know, as a long living tree, a tree that has made it through everything. Yeah. And that kind of thing. That would be a really nice tree. I was also thinking of um, the dogwood. I know it's not a, it's, it's not the catwood, but oh. there's other animals there. What I like about the dogwood is that it blooms every year mm. and the and the blooms are really intense. And I know there's at least one species, the eastern... Uh, flowering dogwood that would grow fairly well, I think, in Detroit, Michigan. Um, but it's not; it's it may not like the colder and the the hot might not, might not like the really colds and the really hots. They kind of like to be sort of middle of the line. Okay, she said it's pretty temperate, though. Yeah. What about like a magnolia? Magnolias would be really great. There's a there's a tree that I call a cat face leaf tree. But it's only because it's the it's the tulip tree, the tulip poplar. Oh. And if you look at the leaf of the tree, um, you're holding it in front of you. Casey, I'm looking at a picture of the tulip poplar leaf. Yeah, you are dead on. And my you man. can if you put like little eyes and a little mouth and a little couple of whiskers. You it know? looks like a yeah. cat's face. But I can't. I don't necessarily like recommending that tree anymore. I used to do it all the time. Um, it's a beautiful tree. I don't know that it grows there. It's native to the southeast, but it it has such insane aphid problems. It's a kind of tree that'll um. give its sap away for nothing. It'll just like, <laughs> yeah, take as much as you want. Don't mind. And they still grow absolutely insane. Wow. But they do tend to, <laughs> the aphids just drop honeydew all over the place. Okay, so I, maybe not the tulip tree. It's, it's maybe not the best tree for that specific location. We should do an episode on the tulip tree. Oh, d- yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, actually, that's something we should say to everybody. We Thank you so much and keep on sending your yes. ideas. Um, but we have to note... We can only do one tree a week. <laughs> so, well, yeah, uh, all the trees that you guys are suggesting, um, I will, if I can plug myself just a little bit, trust me, they're on the list. There's not a, there are very few trees that have escaped my uh, and Alex's ideas of seeing, like, okay, what should we do? What should we do? This? Yeah. yeah. So, we, we got all these schemes coming down the line. Oh, we're scheming. Well, don't you worry. Well, uh, Casey, did we come to a consensus for Megan and her and her cat tree? You know, ooh, Casey's consulting a book, Megan. I am. I'm wow, consulting a book here. That's very. I, uh, I want to find a tree that grows really well in that area that has sort of a, a stateliness to it. So here, here are my criteria. If it's grown in a suburban area, um, it needs to be a somewhat tough tree because it's in a it's in a city. You know, it's in a, a urban space. Sure. 
Um, so it can't be something that can just go and just get hog wild and go absolutely, you know, gangbusters on the rest of the world. But I also think that it should be a tree that has something that kind of, you know, exemplifies and talks about, you know, is cute or uh, reminds you of whatever it is that you're trying to memorialize. The warmth of a good friend long past. Yeah, but I also think that it should be a a tree that grows well in that area. Um, but it would be a tree that I think would have, you know, sort of a, a longevity to it because it's a celebration of life. You're celebrating yes. a life with a life, you know, and I think that's what's important. You want to plant it and then not have to worry about it dying in the winter. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to suggest sassafras tree. Sassafras? Yeah, go ahead and look that one up. Okay. So the reason I'm doing the sassafras is that it's a... shit, I nailed the spelling on the first try. Well done. But what I like about the sassafras is a couple different things. One, it has really, really beautiful bark, and it has these really cool um, leaves. The leaves are um, very variable with a V-E-R and a V-A-R. So they have... um, Their leaves will grow, and they will have no lobes, or they'll have one lobe, so it looks kind of like a mitten. And then they'll have two lobes, and so it looks kind of like a Yoda hand with just those three fingers, right? So um, I think that they're really cool because they have these really subtle flowers. They have these gorgeous leaves and their bark is just this absolutely like stunning, especially when it gets old. It just has this really interesting sort of, you know, blocky furrowed look. It doesn't get that big. It grows really slow and it just kind of cooks really slowly. And the the tree itself um, does not have a whole lot going on in terms of like, wow, it's massive. It does this. And it's somewhat of a rare tree. You don't see it planted very often outside of its native ranges. Um, and what I think is special about having a tree that kind of is a slower grower that takes its time, that does not, um, it's not too showy, it's not too much of this, it's not too much of that. It's just a tree that is sitting there quietly and living. And every time you look at it, you can remind yourself of what it is. But the tree itself is not going to throw you off the reason as to why the tree's there. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And I think it's rare. And I think that plant or animals, you know, even though everyone has a dog, everyone has a cat, your cat, your dog, your animal, whatever kind of companion you have is yours. And it's really special to you. And there's no one else. There's nothing else quite like it. So having a unique thing that's planted on top of with growing by growing for growing with growing out of, you know, all those different things with your, your creature, your, your old companion that's passed on. I think that that having a tree that is somewhat unique yet not unique enough to take away what's cool about it. I think that that would be what I'd say. That's that's beautiful and I have a couple of additions oh, yeah. to these thoughts. I I also like this suggestion Casey because well we, when you said uh you said Yoda hand. Oh yeah. I see that but when I first saw these leaves it looked just like the um T-Rex print oh, in yeah. the mud in Jurassic Park. Yes. Um, also, uh, it says here on Wikipedia, sassafras wood was used by Native Americans in the southeastern United States as a fire starter because of the flammability, uh, found in its natural oils. Oh, there you go. Um, so there is some, you know, I said, I said the warmth of a, of love between a companion and a human, an animal companion. There you go. You know, that's, that's kind of a nice tie in. And... Uh, this isn't really romantic, but it's used to make root beer. Yeah, exactly. And it's used as a thickening and flavoring agent in gumbo. There you go. Those it's are my reasons. I think that's good. That way you can use a tree and like, well, I loved my cat, but I really like gumbo. <laughs> or maybe the cat's name was gumbo. Wouldn't oh that be God, insane? I hope it is. God, that would freak me out. Well, there you go. Megan, thank you so much for your question, and we're very sorry to hear about your cat passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully this will be uh, a good addition to your arboretum there in your uh, outside of Detroit. Yes. Casey, I believe... I believe we have come to the oh, end there it is again. of another episode of Completely Arbitrary. <laughs> I can't get enough of this. I had a good time, Casey. Me too. I'm I I feel like I'm I'm coming down off of a sugar high. Thanks everybody for listening to Completely Arbitrary. Follow us on Instagram at ArbitraryPod. It's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y Pod. Or send us an email at completely arbitrary. No, that's not right. At arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's right. I believe that's the case. Or check out the show notes for this episode or any episode at completelyarbitrary.com. That's the dot com. Yes. Thank you. And to support the show, check out our Patreon 
patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. There's all kinds of fun things happening there. Party's just getting started, Casey. That's right, it is. Casey. Alex. Until next time. Until then. Bye, everybody. Later. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening.